1: Welcome to the new WBBM podcast, Courier Pigeon. I'm Lauren Brown. Student loan debt has been a major financial problem for people all across the country. Even some of the most well-known entertainers are burdened with debt. BuzzFeed published an article about 13 successful people who struggled with student loan debt after becoming successful. From former President Barack Obama to actress Kerry Washington, who stated she wasn't able to pay off her student loans until she got cast in the hit ABC series, Scandal. Since March 2020, there has been a moratorium on student loan repayments to help families make it through the financial crisis. According to Fortune, a national business magazine, the pause on repayments helped boost borrowers' credit scores. By the third quarter of 2021, low-income borrowers say they received a 48-point jump. That's just one of the benefits to the moratorium on repayments. The Biden administration has been campaigning and rallying to come up with a plan for student loan forgiveness. On August 24th, people were on the edge of their seats waiting for President Biden's announcement, the biggest news for these long-time loans in decades. Biden's plan is to forgive 10,000 worth of debt for federal loans and 20,000 for people who receive Pell Grants. My campaign for president, I made a commitment. I made a commitment that would provide student debt relief And I'm honoring that commitment today. By resuming student loan payments at the same time as we provide targeted relief, we're taking an economically responsible course. In addition to that, he extended the moratorium on repayments until January, 2023. And if you made payments during the pandemic, you could receive a refund. Social media went into a firestorm as people tried to make sense of the new information, like how do I know if I qualify What are the requirements for Parent PLUS loans? When will the forgiveness start? We wanted to hear from people about their concerns and what this will mean for the future. So in this episode, we speak with a current grad student about her struggles with student loan debt, a financial aid director talks about keeping students aware of the resources at their disposal, and the president of the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators breaks down the history of student loans and what we need to do in the future to make education affordable for all. Chicago native Raven Jackson is currently pursuing her master's in public health from the University of Missouri. She says she accumulated a lot of debt during undergrad, but found ways to support her postgraduate education by becoming a teacher's assistant. But seeing the balance on her student loans continues to bring up a lot of emotions.
2: I did feel anxious. I felt anxious a lot of times, but I always tried to not worry. Like when I heard about loans, but didn't fully know what it was, but they was taught to me in seventh grade that they can be forgiven. I always made that my focus. Like, I'm going to get these loans forgiven. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to look for the resources because it's out there. They're not just handed to you. So I always said, I make it my duty. So I always tried to not make it my worry until the, until the situation actually came about. And then with me um, going into grad school, And then also um, with the pandemic happening, we've just been having the push and pause of the repayment. And so that's also kind of like lowered my anxiety.
1: With Biden's new plan in place, she will see up to $20,000 of her student loans paid off thanks to her receiving the Pell Grant in undergrad, a subsidy offered by the federal government for low-income students that does not need to be repaid. But she says she expected a different solution from the Biden administration.
2: At first, I was, I would say a little bit annoyed, in a sense, discouraged, because I thought that he would be forgiving all of our loans. That's how he made it seem to be during his presidential campaign and everything. So you'll see like it's a difference of saying like, oh, we have the pilgrim to $20,000, which I get because it is a lot of people in America who have loans and do need that forgiveness. And then I had to think to myself not to feel unappreciative because there's some people out here who are honestly either can't get their loans forgiven or then a, a lower amount forgave. So I was like, I started just being more appreciative of the situation and say something is better than nothing.
1: Like other students and families, she doesn't want to get her hopes up. So she is taking it one day at a time, hoping there won't be any broken promises.
2: I'm hoping that it does get forgiven all at once. If it doesn't, you know, in my mind, I always had the idea that I would have to pay it and eventually get them forgiven. But I just hope to um, actually receive that help. And I think too, like, you know, I try not to get my hopes up because um, presidents only get a certain amount um, of time in office, so, you can go to the next president and they can change all the rules you want to. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that. So I'm like, you know, I just know during this time I'll take all the opportunities I can with having Biden help the best way he can until he's out of office or if he is to get another term.
3: Students are extremely concerned about borrowing loans. Uh, They do not want the loan debt. However, They're in school, they are either not working or they're limited in the amount of time they're working. The importance of disseminating accurate
1: information over the last handful of years has become even more impactful. That also includes financial aid, an area that often frustrates those applying for assistance to help fund their college education. So we spoke to Rhonda Smith, Director
3: of Financial Aid at Chicago State University. So they need a way to supplement their income to help pay rent, to buy groceries. So attending school is not just buying books and being able to go to class. It's also being able to have a sustainable lifestyle while you're attending school. Um, You know, we don't want our students going to class hungry. We don't want our students worrying about where they're laying their head at night. And so we often are talking them through the loan borrowing process, Um, or assisting them in finding other scholarship dollars to help pay for room and board, to help pay for groceries.
1: And she says it's hard for parents to make the decision to take out extra loans to
3: support their kids. They definitely want to be supportive of their students, but, you know, oftentimes they have their own loan debt from when they were in school. And so, again, they're not looking to want to borrow more. Um, They're not wanting to invest that money and then students change their minds or um, stop pursuing the degree. So it's difficult to, to get parents to want to be on board with borrowing additional loan debt.
1: Smith says students have had a lot of questions since Biden announced his new plan, and the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators keeps financial aid offices across the country aware of accurate information.
3: The National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators is the major source of disseminating information. So they work directly with the federal government in um, understanding any new legislation that comes into play and then disseminating that information to the individual colleges and universities. And so we I receive a daily newsletter from NASPA. Um, as well as updates. They were the first ones to send us an email when the public loan forgiveness announcement was made to say, hey, this is coming, uh, be aware, your students will start calling to inquire. And they did, they started calling immediately. So I, um, as well as the Department of Education sends out announcements.
1: Smith is hoping that college can become more affordable so people can start wanting to obtain a degree again.
3: I am hopeful for more sources of free money for students. Um, we, There has been some requests, some legislation uh, um, going into request mode regarding increasing the Pell Grant, and so I would love to see them increase the Pell Grant. The state has done an excellent job in increasing the MAP Grant. Uh, any sources of free money. If those private companies out there are looking to provide any additional scholarship dollars, our students can use it. And so anything that we can do to decrease a student's need to to borrow uh, would be an excellent benefit to our students. And just encouraging them to pursue a higher level of education and encourage and and reminding them that college degrees are important. So I would like us to get back to the value of a college degree um, and helping them to pay for it because the money is a major reason that students no longer show as much interest in attending colleges.
1: According to LendEDU, a marketplace for information on loans and refinancing, The history of student loans goes all the way back to 1958, when the National Defense Education Act was passed, providing federal loans for students, specifically in STEM fields, to compete with other countries, namely the Soviet Union. Over the course of the next few decades, new rules emerged. Like in 1965, the Federal Family Education Loan Program was established, and in 1972, the Pell Grant was created to help support families in need and much more. Justin Drager, the president and CEO of the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators, helps us break down that history.
4: Student loan debt has really been a slow rolling crisis. It wasn't like we woke up last year and all of a sudden we were in crisis. This has been building for some time. And as states and to some extent the federal government have been disinvesting in higher education for decades, students and families have had to foot the bill and increasingly the way they've had to foot the bill is through debt. And so while student loans at their, you know, inception, this was the very first student loans were the very first federal student aid program. Um, They were born out of the idea that people would, would borrow a small amount of debt. um, They would be able to further their own lives and families and change the direct trajectory of, of generations behind them. And they would successfully repay those loans. And that is how student loans worked for a long time after uh, Lyndon, President Lyndon Johnson signed the Higher Education Act in 1965. But somewhere uh, starting in probably the mid to late 90s, um, we saw dramatic disinvestment led primarily by states that changed sort of the, the total makeup of who was paying for college. So if you go back 30 some years, Um, Students and families covered less than 50% of the total cost of higher education, and the public, through state and federal investment, picked up more than 50%, really around 70%. And if you fast forward to 2010, that flipped. Families were picking up roughly 60 to 70% of the total cost of higher education. The public was picking up 30%, and the way the public was doing it, increasingly was through loan debt. So we saw this coming for a long time.
1: Draker says the federal student loan system is built on a bank-based system, which makes it harder for borrowers to pay loans off with the increased interest rates and other fees.
4: In the beginnings of the student loan programs, they were made from banks and then guaranteed from the federal government. Over time, um, we switched to a direct lending program that was less expensive for the federal government just to make the loans directly. At least that was the original thought. One of the challenges that we have today is that a lot of the aspects of the loan programs are very much bank-based lending. They're not the the components that we would necessarily build into a direct loan program from the federal government. So things like origination fees. in a consumer market, that makes sense. Banks charge origination fees for the processing that they'll do to to you know create your and originate your loan. In a direct loan program, I don't think origination fees make any sense. It doesn't make sense for a parent or student to take out a loan and then immediately be taxed on that loan, which is what happens. There are interest rates, uh, increasing interest rates the further you go along in school and the types of loans you take. And that also doesn't really make sense in a direct loan federal benefit program interest rates should be probably at the cost that the federal government has to borrow money or even less for that matter. It's an opportunity loan. So um, there are all these sort of relics of a bank-based lending program that need to be reformed so that when students aren't repayment are in repayment, they're not seeing their loan balances grow. Um, the idea is to successfully set people up to repay their loans. and that's that's not what's happening today. So we need reforms about the loan programs. We need to reinvest in grants so that low and middle income families don't have to borrow at all, or at least borrow at much lower rates. And we need to make sure that schools have some accountability so that they are not increasing tuition and fees at a rate that exceeds what families can pay.
1: The student loan crisis has also brought into question racial equity. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle Stated in The Tribe, a digital media platform reshaping the narrative of Black Chicago, that student loan debt is America's hidden racial equity crisis, as Black and Brown students are disproportionately affected by student loan debt.
4: It's absolutely true that students of color, and particularly Black students, have taken on a disproportionate amount of this burden. And this is delivering to them the exact opposite of what post-secondary education is meant to provide. It's meant to provide opportunity and what we end up doing is shackling too many students and their parents to loan debt and loan debt that um, continues even in repayment to like grow every year because they're unable to obtain the returns they need from their degree and inability to pay down their loan debt. So it, it really is a, a demoralizing type of debt that is just stay, it stays with students, particularly Uh, minority students for a very long time so what the president just did with this one-time relief i think it does provide relief and we should we can and and should celebrate the fact that there will be many students and parents who will receive relief this is a short-term solution it doesn't provide the long-term fix we need to reverse decades of disinvestment in post-secondary ed though
1: as information about the new plan began to circulate on social media there has been a lot of misinformation and concerns about how this plan will play out. But Draeger says in the coming weeks, the smoke will clear and we will have a better picture.
4: This has sort of created a sense of urgency and frenzy around this. What I would say is the Department of Education has said that they are, going, they are planning for a one year window um, after repayment begins to sort of sort all of this out. And repayment now isn't set to begin until January, 2023. So all of that is to say, we have some time to sort it out. The White House made an announcement, created a lot of excitement, but there isn't really even an income attestation application form that's available for students to fill out. Um, I think because students and families want to plan, what they should first look at is what loans are available for forgiveness. And those loans are Department of Education federally held loans. That doesn't mean if you have legacy loans from like 15 years ago that were made by a bank, those may still be eligible for forgiveness, but the Department of Education is still sorting all of that out. So um, I would say people have some time, despite the urgency and the frenzy that sort of existed since the excitement of last week. Um, The second thing I would say is find out if your loans are eligible. That's something you can look at today by logging into the Department of Education website too. The Department of Education has a a page where you can go and sign up for future alerts to let you know when the application is available. You can log into the Department of Education's website at studentaid.gov, and you'll be able to see your own history to see, did I receive a Pell Grant? For some students, they may not remember. Um, And then the final thing I would just say is stay, you know, stay, if you ultimately have questions as you get down this, the Department of Education will be issuing ongoing frequently asked questions updates. And um, you can always check in with your school where you attended, they'll have information. I would just say, be patient. Schools right now are enrolling all of their fall enrollment. So just in terms of timing, schools are already at capacity, and they're trying to learn as much about this as students and borrowers are. So patience as you work with your schools, they want to help you But they're also trying to get information and enroll students right now. So it just is going to take a few weeks to sort out.
1: One of the other major questions circulating was whether or not parents who took out a Parent PLUS loan will also receive
4: forgiveness. The good news is that um, borrowers who are eligible for this are any Department of uh, of Education held loans. So that would be undergraduate loans, graduate student loans and Parent PLUS loans. They do qualify. In addition, um, there may be for that, you know, that extra ten thousand dollars for a Pell grant. That might also apply to parent plus loan borrowers if they received a Pell grant if they went to school. So that's something we haven't seen published from the Department of Education yet. Um, but uh, presumably it, it doesn't look like, at least in their talking points today that there that there may be limitations on that. What we know for sure is that for the ten thousand dollars the president announced that applies to all Department of Education held loans, so undergrad, graduate, and parent loans.
1: When I asked Draeger about his opinion on President Biden's new plan, he said in policy, you don't always get exactly what you want.
4: You know, the plan has critics, of course. I mean, there are some folks who are just against loan forgiveness entirely. There are others who say that we should have limited this even more. So for example, maybe you would have only given forgiveness to undergraduate students, not graduates, who may be earning more than undergraduates. Maybe we should be giving it to only borrowers who are enrolled in income-driven repayment plans because they've already demonstrated that they don't have enough income to pay back their loans. I would just say that there are always trade-offs. Public policy is always a choice between trade-offs. The more complicated you make a federal benefit, the fewer people will ultimately end up being able to qualify for it, and, and not by design like the more complicated it is, the more bureaucratic it is, the more difficult it is to navigate the system. And so um, I'm not here to say this is the exact right way or wrong way. I'm here to say that there are always trade-offs. So for those who say there should have been no loan forgiveness, I would say the, the valid point they do bring up is this doesn't necessarily decrease college costs for students in the future. That's true. We still need to address that. For those who say it should have been more limited, I would say the trade-off is that you might have far fewer people being able to navigate a complex application system. So um, let's understand the trade-offs. And those who say we should forgive all loan debt, I would say we just don't know whether that's possible. And again, that doesn't solve the long-term solution. So if you're interested in public policy, it's always about trade-offs and choices. This is the public policy today. And I think our objective should be to get as many people that will qualify for this benefit now that it's been announced to get them to qualify. That's, that's all of our effort at this point.
1: With everything that is happening right now, I asked Drager what he is hopeful for as he continues in his work and what are some actionable steps we can take now to create a better future for students and families.
4: NASFA, because we represent financial aid offices, our members are, don't set tuition prices. They don't set college prices. Um, They don't, they're often called on to enforce federal rules, they don't necessarily create them. Our entire mission as a profession, our vision is that post-secondary education is accessible to everyone, and that no qualified student is denied access to college or a post-secondary degree because they don't have the money. We also recognize we live in a, a world of limited resources. So we do believe that we should look at families where they are, but we need to We also believe we need to bring a lot more money to the table so that low and middle income families are far less reliant on student loans. And that means new investments. It means keeping tuition low and sustainably low. And it means that we have lots of options. So there's not a one size fits all post-secondary path that every student has to take, Um, and we need reforms that we talked about earlier. We need a student loan system that works and protects students and borrowers and is less interested in um, origination fees and interest and all of these things that are make sense in a, in a commercial bank-based lending market, but not on a direct loan to students.
1: Thanks for listening to the first episode of the new WBBM podcast, Courier Pigeon. We'll be back next week covering another trending topic. Until then, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. WBBM Courier Pigeon is an original podcast production. It is produced, written, and edited by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner with editorial direction by Lizzie Baumgartner. Thanks for listening to WBBM Courier Pigeon. I'm Lauren Brown.